the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 77, and our guest is The Colonel. The Colonel is a singer and songwriter like no other, y'all. He takes a classic country sound, throws it in the spin cycle, and hangs it up wet. I am so grateful for this opportunity. The Colonel is our kind of creative, y'all, and you can find all things The Colonel at thecolonelmusic.com. Dot com. That's Colonel with a K. Before I get into our conversation with the Colonel, I want to give a huge shout out to longtime friend of the Marinade, Jordan, who has joined our Patreon community. Jordan has been a great supporter of the Marinade on Twitter, and now he's a part of our Patreon family. Patreon is a place to support the show. Go to patreon.com slash marinade podcast for the price of a beer or a cup of coffee or whatever thing you buy that you don't necessarily have to buy, but you like to buy that's like $2 to $10, somewhere in there. You can gain access to Patreon-exclusive content, like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life. You can also get updates about the show before anyone else. You can join our Patreon happy hours, where we connect on Zoom and get to hang and listen to live performances from some of our favorite songwriters. It's fun. It's just a really fun time. And come on over if you can swing it. We're actually adding a couple of things something called Jason's Journal. I'm going to release a a newsletter with all kinds of information about the show and um, art that is inspiring me and all those kinds of things. If you like our What I'm Getting Down On segment at the end of the show, that's actually moving over to Patreon. So if you really enjoy that, come on over for as little as $5. You can get access to What I'm Getting Down On where I talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment. Y'all, I'm so honored to bring you my conversation with the Colonel.
Colonel. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Well, man, I really appreciate it. I, uh, this has been so much fun, like doing research on an artist who I only recently got into is, is always such a blast. And I got into you through the most recent single, You Do You. And, um, and then I got to do the deep dive and spend the time with your music. And like the thing that, thing that jumps out at me when I first listened to it. And then as I go deeper, it, it, it has all these layers, but I was like, this is kind of like the first time and it's different, but it's, it feels like the first time as a teenager, I heard Waylon Jennings. The first time I heard, um, some of the, especially like redheaded stranger and some of the Willie records that were a little more adventurous. And that was a really, that is a really cool feeling to have with newer music, right? Where I'm just like, it's not the same thing. I, I'm not trying to compare necessarily. I'm just saying the yeah. feeling that I got, right? Was like, oh shit, this is what I felt like the first time <laughs> I discovered those records. <laughs> well, that's a cool thing to say. <laughs> I mean, it's, well, it's a cool thing to make, man. And I want to get into process and, and, and talk about, you know, how you get there. Um, and, uh, and start with just kind of from the beginning, if we can, you know, and just kind of go back to like, you grew up around, uh, around your dad playing music and playing at the Opry and um, even wear his suit these days. So uh, what, what was that early education like? Uh, did you know from the beginning, like, I'm going to be, I'm going to do this? Or did you think like, maybe I'll be a lawyer someday? <laughs> well, my dad always used to tell me that I washed my hands like a doctor, but that didn't quite work out. <laughs> but no, I don't think I, I don't think I uh, knew from a very early age or anything um, that I wanted to do music. I always liked music um, and was very used to going to the opera, you know, a lot uh, when I was a kid. I have a twin brother, actually. And mm. so we were just always together and we went probably... I mean, I would say at least once a month uh, mm. backstage um, when when we were growing up pretty much all the time, you know, and a lot of times my mom didn't go. I think it was kind of a break for her. Dad would take us out. You know, we, we would leave the house at, you know, four or five and then we wouldn't get back until, you know, one in the morning or something. So it kind of was it was exciting to be out that late, you know, on the weekends and and stuff as it is. But so many memories, man, of just seeing anybody you could imagine you know like some of my favorite baseball players you know when I was growing up you know I met them you know all kinds of celebrities would, would be backstage you know it's a very sort of small I don't know if you've ever been backstage at the Opry House before but it's a small area it's kind of a u-shaped uh, u-shaped thing and and the hall comes out uh, on either side of the stage backstage so and when I was growing up uh, the the door on stage right that was closest to the stage was Roy Acuff's dressing room. And then uh, on the offstage side was Porter Wagner's uh, dressing room. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, it just, it was really cool. I, I remember one time my dad taking us in to meet Roy Acuff and uh, there was like a little line out of his dressing room and he was pretty old at this point and he wasn't terribly agile. Um, and so he, we walked up and I'm, I'll never forget. He was eating those little, uh, sweet spot cookies, the little cookies with the, with the, uh, Hershey kiss. 
uh-huh, him, you know? uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I just remember being, you know, like six or seven or something, you know, or maybe I was a little older, it could have been eight or something, but it just, I remember looking up and seeing like, oh, wow, he likes those cookies. That's cool. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I have so many, so many cool memories from, from, from that. And, and really it, it, I got into music a little later, you know, I, I started getting into writing when I was in college and uh, uh-huh. I uh, liked to write poetry and things like that. And eventually merged it with music. Um, so yeah, it was a little later for me. And especially after my dad died, it, it was, that's when I started all this, this stuff, uh, the country kernel stuff was sort of, I've, I've always looked at it like taking up a mantle, you know, and just continuing some of that kind of thing. So, yeah. That's man, that's pretty heavy. Uh, it, so there's so much there. Um, the, I, the, the baseball thing I'm super curious about because I grew up a huge baseball fan and the idea that you would be there. With Javi Lopez. These... I met Javi Lopez when, back there one time and he was okay. my favorite. I was a big Braves, Braves kid. Yeah. And, and Ryan Klesko and he were hanging out back there one night and my brother and I were like, whoa. You know? And like yeah. Tommy Lasorda who just died. Yeah. Tommy Lasorda. Uh, I mean, just there's all kinds of crazy people. You know, you might see Steven Seagal or somebody, you know, you just never knew who you were going to see back there. <laughs> is there like and that you know I, I didn't even know about the baseball thing i in my research the there's all anytime i talk to a songwriter who's also a baseball fan i always have to ask that question because there's so many right it's for whatever reason it doesn't seem to translate to other sports it doesn't yeah. necessarily on a wide scale and it doesn't necessarily translate the other way around i don't know there's something about songwriting and baseball that work <laughs> yeah. and i'm just yeah, super yeah. like i don't know if you've given that any thought but I'm super curious it. about that connection and like why that might be, you know? I think there's just so many, there's a lot of corollary with baseball and just the the dullness of life. I mean, there's just a lot of it is just going, well, we're just kind of waiting for a second. And, you know, it's not like everyone huddles up and then they're all right, break, you know, it's everything just kind of, it's like life. I mean, in some ways it just kind of, you know, it's, it's a nice way to pass the time. I guess that's why it's America's favorite pastime, but but yeah, I think there's there's something to that. Um, it just kind of feels like life, like normal, just breathing and you know, just hanging out. There's something about baseball. I've always loved baseball. Uh, I, I like sports. Uh, I grew up having to play sports. <laughs> you know, it's like that's um, it's kind of a southern, typical southern male upbringing in that way. If you weren't good at sports, then you better be good at something, you know, ain't that the truth. It's like, I I've talked about that before on the show. I guess it's been a while so we can revisit it. But the idea that like, I, one of the reasons I didn't grow up playing music, even though I was obsessed with it is that if you, if you wanted girls, you played sports and I wanted girls. So like in where <laughs> I'm from, it wasn't the guy with the guitar that got the girls, you know, yeah. it, was, it was the guy who had the good arm or the guy who could run fast or the guy who could hit hard. And, uh, and so that's why I chased that. And I look back on it and I'm like, well, I can still play guitar. I couldn't, I can't still play sports competitively, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I do have a pandemic purchase hoop in the yard that I oh, really? use all oh, dudes. That's cool. Cheap, cheap $200 hoop. Great decision. Like mm-hmm. great decision. Cause you get to go out and relive those moments from childhood, that nostalgia. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. speaking of Southern nostalgia, there's, there's a great line in you do you um and i don't want to misquote it so i'm going to pull it up here um but uh it says where the only chick-fil-a back in the day was in the mall and like the fact that that hit me so hard 
<laughs> you know, it kind of blows my mind. And, and you seem to write about fast food a lot. You have a whole song about the ta taco, <laughs> living in a, an abandoned Taco Bell and envisioning a world in which all these Taco Bells are abandoned. Yeah. Um, so can we talk about inspiration? Is it that you're in the Chick-fil-A line and you sit down and you start writing? Or what, what does... What does your is, process look like? It is funny with the fast food thing or just big corporations that we kind of just accept and get used to. I think that's something that for whatever reason I'm I've gravitated toward. Um, I think in some ways to try to take some, to try to remind myself that these aren't just accepted uh, or these aren't, these aren't, um, how do I don't want to say it? Uh, just things that exist in the world, like we can say no to them. Uh, but I think with some of those larger monolithic kind of corporations, we kind of just say, well, they've always been here. We tell them, we tell ourselves that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we wrap our whole view of the world around these kinds of entities, you know, and to me, I think I like to take a little bit of power out of that. Um, and, and, and writing about a Taco Bell for me kind of scratches that itch in some ways. There's a, a song on my new record about um, a futuristic Walmart um, that only sells things that are made from marijuana. And so it's a called it's called a super marijuana Walmart. And, and the same thing there. I just had this idea like, what if somewhere in a rural town in Illinois where a bunch of old people live, they had the first super marijuana Walmart, like how people would freak out, you know, mm -hmm. and all that it would represent to them, mm -hmm. um, you know. Uh, so something, there's something about those kind of ideas that I, I like thinking about because I like, I like remembering the world before uh, mm -hmm. some of these things became so commonplace, you know. Um, and I want to live in a world where I, those things aren't just accepted, you know. Um, and to me, that's there's an important thing in there, but also it's just kind of fun material, you know. It's it's fun to write yeah. about things like that. And uh, but yeah, it has it has come up uh, there. If you look through a lot of my lyrics, there there's one too many maybe <laughs> references to fast food and and, uh, and that kind of stuff. But whatever, you know. I like that I, though. Sorry, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Well, I was just going to say a part of it too, probably is like, I've never heard anybody write a song about uh, this before. You know, that's kind of what makes writing interesting is you don't want to just, uh, you know, contribute to, you know, recombinant, you know, pastiche, <laughs> that kind of thing. You know, you want to do something that is, that gives you, that's got vitality to it, you know, to, to you. For okay, sure. And I think that that better encapsulates what I was trying to say when I said that I when I listened to your music and did the dive into it, that I felt that same feeling that I had when I was first discovering some of those people we now think of as these these great you know legends of the, uh, that were outlaws that so to speak. Um, that that thing you just said that's that's the the vibe that I get from the music and the the fact that you're willing that not only you're willing to go there but like you crave it, right? It sounds like that you crave going in these places that you wouldn't necessarily think of. It's still rooted, the music's still rooted in country music, for example. Yeah. It's still rooted in blues. It's still rooted in some of those those classic concepts, but the mm -hmm. but the songs about a fucking taco, you living, moving into a Taco Bell, right? And so <laughs> it, yeah. you hear those familiar sounds, but then you say that and and the listener is immediately transported to this weird place that you're ready to go because it's still rooted in this familiar. 
but it's this wild ass concept that I'm willing to go out with you on. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it because to me, a lot of the music is written uh, for uh, a live setting, you know, um, particularly I always envision, um, you know, we used to do a lot of, um, you know, flatbed trailer type things when we were growing up, you know, my dad being a musician and, you know, living, we, we grew up about an hour outside of Nashville, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Um, but he kind of would bring all these Opry people to these weekend, you know, we would cook a hog or a calf, you know, a whole, whole calf overnight, that, that one of these kind of things. And we used to do these, uh, they, these big parties that they just called the flea market because it was just a huge long pavilion where they had the flea market, but we would just call it the flea market. And we would have these massive, ridiculous parties down there. Of course, I'm a kid at the time, you know, I have a lot of really crazy memories about some of those parties, but, but so much of it was built around, okay, we were going to cook some barbecue and get, get out here and play some music, you know, and Dale Reeves and like, these famous people would come down because they loved it. You know, they're like, get a moonshine and some barbecue and we're all just hanging out. Well, let's get up there and sing some gospel music for a little while, you know? And I just have a lot of memories about that kind of stuff. And I I love that kind of setting. And so I I like to write uh, country music, you know, because it reminds me of that, you know, it reminds me of what it felt like to be young and, and to hear those sounds. And I like that I can do that too now, but also kind of, like you said, put my own little, keep myself interested in the writing side of it, you know, where I'm not just saying, you know, singing uh, covers of the same old thing we've heard. I mean, uh, those are great too, but if you're writing something, then, you know, it's good to stay interested. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for, for a great cover. And there's a lot to be said for even just like a total homage to, to something classic. But I, I do think that like, you know, so many, and I think we just have access to it now. There are so many people who do that really well. And I'm not complaining about it. It's, it's a nice problem to have, but it just feels like I get to talk all the time to people who do that kind of thing really fucking good. But there's so many of them, you know, and people, and they keep getting better and better and growing. And it's like, next thing I, I can't turn my head before some other artist I've never heard of puts out this record that's just perfect, um, yeah. you know, which is great. I'm not complaining, but it's also really nice to get hit, you know, with some lyrics about fast food or some lyrics about, um, <laughs> you know, or about, um, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the song. It's on, it's on, uh, you sing it on current live. Um, and I think it's on light country, the, uh, your record light country about the ballerina. Oh yeah. Knock knee ballerina. Knock knee ballerina. Right. So like the, the wordplay in that song, I mean, it's just like, it just keeps me clipping along. Like I'm just fascinated by every word. Right. Um, and you mentioned so much there that I wanted to get into, especially the, the, the live part, like the, the, this live sound. Cause when I listen, for example, to light country, that sounds like it was just straight up tracked live. It sounds like you just recorded that live rather. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that was the case or if that was what you were going for, but that feel and that vibe, I can't wait for this shit to be over so I can see you live, but that's what it sounds like to me is that you're going for that sound and, and, and that's what you're achieving. For sure. I mean, there's something, you know, exciting about capturing music that way when you you get set up and you say, all right, everything sounds pretty good. All right, let's just play it. You know, Mm. Um, of course, there are so many different ways to make records and and um, I enjoy records that are made uh, in a different fashion. You know, when you I call them build a bear 
records. Mm. I like there's a song on my on my new record that um, we we've just gotten through tracking where I played everything and just you know mm. by myself and, and it was like I was with the engineer Ben Tanner who's a great uh, keyboard guy and we got to the point where it's like oh you want to put some keys on here and he's like no you do you like you do you've already done everything like let's just make this a U track so that was fun but yeah a lot of like country and a lot of this new record it's let's just get in there and play and you can't really replicate the energy of of you know um of, of a track uh when you're building everything like that it's just a different different kind of thing and i think especially for country just get in there and play it you know and um yeah i enjoy doing things that way it's a lot more exciting i think while you were a kid and you were going you were backstage at the opry and you were having these parties i'm picturing like jimmy martin at your party you're like drinking and singing or something like all these like amazing all these wild like ideas in my head you know of like these crazy parties and everybody's playing music do you think as a kid you were like maybe you were conscious of it where you do you think you were internalizing that that is now kind of coming out of you in your own way yeah as a kid i was fascinated by it uh, i was just sort of enraptured by how someone could go and play an instrument and sing and also be funny and be entertaining mm -hmm. you know and i think everyone kind of feels that way when they see someone do it well there's something in you that kind of goes how do they do that mm -hmm. you know and anybody that does something really well that you don't know how to do you're <laughs> like well, how, how do you how do they even do that I, I could never do that you know so i was always fascinated by it and um and, and of course just exposed to it a lot so i think it's it's easy to take for granted you mm -hmm. know because i was around it so much um but i you know before my dad died actually I, I did express to him that i was getting more interested in that kind of that kind of thing because um when i first try, started trying to write songs i was really into like iron and wine mm -hmm. you know and uh, into like these like very sort of poetic you know nine minute songs or whatever you know and I, I had a couple three songs and I played them for my dad and he sat there silently the whole time and I, I got done with the third song and he said well that's abstract that's <laughs> all he said and you know, he was like that was that's a kind of my dad in a nutshell right there um but um but yeah I did express to him later on that I, I like the idea of um what you could do on the stage between uh, uh, someone on the stage in the audience in that whole interaction you know I think I was like reading like reading some stuff about Aristotle talking about theater like in college you know and and thinking about some of those kind of the catharsis that the, the idea that when you play something out on a stage you know you sort of give the opportunity for uh, people in the audience to go through these kind of things that maybe cl cleanse them in some ways that they wouldn't have otherwise you know been able to work through some of these moral issues or whatever um if you do it on a stage so i got interested in that and I, I we did have a conversation or two about that before he died which which was cool i think you know he kind of maybe knew that i was leaning more into this kind of thing um because i hadn't really established myself in that way until after he after he died you know with the mm. country thing so did so in college it's you mentioned college a couple of times, and so you're you're going to 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 learn to write, or you are you studying philosophy, are you studying creative writing? Like, um, what are you? What is that whole experience like? And then also, do you think your your music now uh, is informed by that college experience, or do you think it would be different if you hadn't gone through 
that experience. Yeah, I think so. I, I did creative writing um, and did philosophy and stuff too, but my major was creative writing. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think uh, I actually went to a community college right out of high school. Well, when I graduated high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I've always kind of been a little bit indecisive. Um, and so my dad said, well, son, if you don't know what you want to do, you're going to go to the army. And I said, okay. And so I signed up and I, and I went through that and, and this freak thing happened where I actually failed my physical because I, I was playing basketball in high school and I separated my shoulder like a month before the, the big um, uh, physical exam for the army. And so I got there and they said, no, we can't admit you right now. But if you go through this and this and this and that, then so many months later, you can come back. <clears throat> and somewhere in there, I kind of thought, mm, maybe this is a sign I shouldn't go to the army, maybe, you know, and so like right at the last second, I slid in like Indiana Jones, you know, under the moving wall and, and, and signed up for community college. And my first uh, semester I took normal composition one class and there was a guy that teacher changed everything for me because he was he was a poet he's still there his name is Jeff Harden and he walked into the class the first day and started reading a poem he didn't say he just was reading a poem and I was so gripped by it for whatever reason and I really liked him and uh, so the first assignment was to write, you know, a short poem. Well, I didn't have a computer. I'm kind of old, I guess. Um, and so I went to my sister's house. She had a computer and I stayed up to like 4.30 in the morning trying to write this like 10 line poem. And I just obsessed over it and I wanted it to be good. And somewhere around in that time, I, I don't know, I just got interested in in what you could do with words. And, and, and he was a big impact on me, that, that professor. And I still stay in touch, in touch with him to this day. Um, and so that just kind of set me on a course to be interested in writing and what words could do. And, and, um, and that kind of, you know, from that day, I've kind of just been interested in all that, you know, so. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you, yeah. It's so crazy to think like how different your life might've been. Maybe yeah. you would have met uh, some similar influence I know, yeah. you I know, think in the about army or whatever, but damn, man, that's crazy, right? Like how different <laughs> your life could have been if you ended up in the army. Yeah, no. yeah, it's funny. I mean, little things like that. I mean, we all have little, little moments like that, that yeah. kind of, you look back on and say, wow, that everything could have turned out differently if I'd just done one thing different, you know? How do you think you would have done in the army? Do you think you were geared for it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it would have been fine. My, my twin brother is actually a, he's a, um, a corporal, um, not in the army, but on, uh, he's a police, a law enforcement mm -hmm. guy. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad was an army guy, you know, and I like sports and, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, yeah. you know? So yeah, I think there, there would have been certain things that would have, would have been fine, you know, for me, but I think, yeah. Uh, I, I think maybe uh, upstairs, it could have been a little bit weird for me, you know, uh, yeah. to a certain degree if who knows, I mean, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I was just going because I didn't know what else to do. Right. And, uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad it worked out the way it did for, for my own sake to get to listen to your music and, and to dive into it. I, you know, that what you said also really drives home how important te good teachers are and how important yeah, yeah. At, at every level, like what a difference um, yeah. a great teacher would make. I mean, I, I can, I think of the people 
I have, I have plenty of teachers I can think of in my life that were either just blips in my academic career or that I didn't care for in some way. And then, and, and I never think about them. And then I have the ones that like the hand, small handful that, that in some way shaped who I am now and the impact that they had is so dramatic. And the mm -hmm. feelings that I had about that subject matter, whatever it was that I would not have been all that interested in, but ended up being crazy about. I mean, you end up spending all night trying to write, write this thing, right? It's create this thing. Um, and it launches this whole different trajectory for you in large mm -hmm. part because of the influence of this person. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I, I love a good teacher and I still, you know, not, he's not the only teacher that I've stayed in contact with, you know, and stayed fairly close with from college, you know, just, just because of that, what you, that very thing you said, because they made a big impact on me, you know, and on my life, my whole life, even to this day. So yeah, I'm with you on teachers. Is that, is that, is that you in general, in terms of like relationships? Are you, are you someone who builds those lasting relationships and keeps up with them and, and puts in that work? I'm probably not the best at putting in the work. Um, uh, I, I do kind of get to points where I'm like, where is everybody? And it's like, well, I haven't really, you know, done the work to stay, stay up with people. And, and uh, I can kind of get a little bit too uh, isolationist. Mm -hmm. I mean, which has been pretty, you know, uh, I've gotten a lot of good practice over the last year, like everybody else has with that. But yeah. I didn't need any practice for that. I was already <laughs> kind of good at the, the her hermit lifestyle. Yeah. Well, uh, that's interesting. That's an interesting uh, side effect of this whole thing is like, I started to realize how, how much, how well suited I am for this. Like I'm an, I'm an introverted extrovert. So like I, I need to get my energy from other people but I really like my own company and I really like staying home, you know, with my dogs and cooking my dinner and doing some writing and reading. Um, but like, so like, for example, I, before the pandemic, one of my favorite things to do was to go to a bar or a coffee shop and read or write. Like I just, because I'm out and I'm getting that energy from other people. Yeah. Also, it's also, I, I an isolated uh, thing where I'm writing or it's, you know, an individualized thing where I'm reading um, but I've realized during the pandemic, like I got to really make the effort because I really like just being to myself and I didn't realize that before. So it's kind of forced mm -hmm. me to recognize that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I want to talk about the new record. I'm, I'm really excited uh, for you and I'm excited to hear the new songs. Um, and, uh, and the, the single you do you is wonderful. And the, and the video is wonderful. That goes that for the song you do you, Thanks. uh, yeah, I really, really dig it. And, um, and I'm interested in, you've worked with uh, Ben Tanner before, right? And yep. um, I'm interested in what that relationship is like and, and what that process is like. And then whatever else you can tell us about like how this record is coming together and, and what we can expect. Yeah, I mean, with, um, with Ben Tanner, that, that relationship has been, um, I don't know if you hear my dog barking in the background. He's, he's getting his food. <laughs> yeah, we got the same. I have to, I have to leave them outside now because our puppy will just, he's in a destructive phase. So he, oh, these yeah. are, these are seven-year-old glasses because he completely destroyed my glasses the other day. <laughs> That's so, how you know it's a good dog. Yeah. Yeah. I got, <laughs> we got some good ones. <laughs> it's a really good one. Um, but yeah, with Ben, um, you know, when I met him, I, I didn't envision that we would have, uh, you know, have had this relationship for this long. Um, but I was on tour uh, playing bass with Johnny Fritz. Mm -hmm. and, 
and we were opening for the Alabama Shakes at the time. And um, like I said, I'm really into sports. I'm a big basketball fan, actually. Mm -hmm. And it was during the NBA Finals, mm -hmm. um, the year that uh, that Ray Allen hit that crazy three uh, mm -hmm. playing for the Heat. And, and I was just looking for somewhere. Me and the drummer, Jerry Pentecost, were looking for somewhere to watch this game. We went in this room, and Ben Tanner was the only one sitting there. And right away, uh, we just started talking. I think I made fun of him because he was pulling for the heat or something. And and um, we just kind of became fast friends. And uh, over the course of that tour, I just mentioned that, hey, I've been trying to write some stuff. And, um, you know, would you ever want to take a listen to it? Because he told me that he was starting a label maybe. And mm. so, yeah, we just started talking. And we've just never really stopped talking since 2013, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah i mean we, we've done we did light country together we did this record together um <clears throat> he's a great um, a, a great collaborator because it's hard to find someone with the technical knowledge that he has who is also not only willing to say yes to weird ideas and maybe frustratingly weird ideas um but somebody who also is musical you know mm -hmm. that can give input musically um He's just kind of a, a total package. He's, he's great to work with. He's, he's very understanding. And, and, um, and like I said, he's, uh, he, he never, he never just says no, you know, that's a mark of a good collaborator. It's, mm. it's just a lot easier to say yes. And in three minutes, you'll know if everybody's got their thinking caps on that it was a bad idea and you can transition. But if you spend all your time saying no, you know, you get balled up in all of these different emotional things and all this kind of stuff. And, and um, he's been a great collaborator in that way. That's great. And we should probably for folks listening, I think most people who listen to the show probably know the name Ben Tanner, but Ben uh, of Alabama Shakes and then also uh, just a sought after producer, someone who's collaborated with tons and tons of folks. And then Jerry Pentecost was in Amanda Shire's band at some point. Yeah. Um, Rick Cobb, I think he's doing work with him. Okay. Yeah. Just for context for all these names that sometimes I, I'll get guilty of just like getting on a roll with a guest and talking about these people I, I love and respect and, uh, and forget to say, Oh, by the way, Ben's and Alabama shakes. That's probably an important detail. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's wanted for murder in 13 states. <laughs> oh man. Um, so what, like, is it, is the record, did you did you set out to write a specific a record uh the new one or did it does it come together in pieces for you like when you're putting together an album what does that look like and specifically what does this one look like well for me i think a lot of times it goes you know um there's an interview i listened to uh, with justin towns earl and he was talking about how a lot of his records are he said i write you know 10 or 12 songs a year and those are the songs that go on my record I kind of feel the same way, you know, um, there are so many people out there that are, they're very prolific and they can say, I'm going to write a psych, whatever album. And, you know, they can just sit down and pump out 10 songs with the, someone like Daniel Romano or something, you know, mm -hmm. who can, who's just so prolific with these different kinds of things. Um, for me, I think I just try to have, you know, I try to write the best uh, song I can write. And by the time a year goes by, you've got, you know, a handful, you know, you got eight or 10 of them or, or whatever. And, and so that, I mean, this record came together in that way, you know, that it, it's, when we started talking about it, um, I was kind of nervous because I didn't have any 
songs really. I didn't think I had any songs, but I'm one of these people that has 8,000 voice memos. And so like a lot of times what I'll do at nighttime is I'll pick, you know, I'll pick two numbers. I'll say, you know, 16 and four and I'll do 16 swipes, you know, and then go down four and I'll just hit play and see what that is, you know, and I'm just kind of constantly digging back through things that I've done, just seeing if something catches me. Um, uh, And yeah, I mean, this record kind of came together that way where it's like, well, this is pretty cool. Maybe I could flesh this out a little bit. And um, yeah, and, you know, we get 10 or 10 or 12 tunes that way. And, and I typically do all the demos kind of myself and kind of get the feel that I want and then send that around to, to who we're going to be working with so that by the time we get to the studio, we're not, um, you know, deliberating over things. It, it's sort of like what it is, and then we can kind of just polish it however we want to. I think it'd be cool to make a record a different way. I've been toying with the idea of, of doing more of like um, like a not like a Bee Gees record, but you know, the Bee Gees, they, when they would make a record, they didn't have any, they just, they just went in they said, well, let's see what we got. And they just start like jamming and which is really remarkable for Mm -hmm. how many uh, cool things they put out that they never really had a plan. they just kind of walked in there and, Mm -hmm. and made it up, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it'd be cool to make a record like that because I haven't quite done that. Um, But this record, yeah, it kind of went in a similar fashion that, uh, kind of got the songs together here and just went and hammered them out and you know four or five days getting getting a lot of the bulk and then of course going back and forth I mean this record was supposed to be out you know I don't know a year ago or something um over a year ago maybe I don't even know time has gotten to be really a weird sort of thing to ain't that the truth talk about but yeah yeah so what, how are you scratching the creative itch when you're not, not writing? If you, you know, if you're, you, cause you seem like I'm like, a, uh, like someone who kind of needs it. I don't, maybe not, maybe you can turn it off and turn it on, but it seems like creativity is something that's constantly there. Yeah. It's always there and it's not always, it doesn't always come out, you know, uh. because I mean, I try different kinds of writing and, and things like that. I've never, never really pushed that side of myself too hard. Um, but you know, try to sit down and write some long form stuff or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and just, I don't know, learning about different things is always important to the creative process. You know, mm-hmm. uh, just, uh, I find that if I'm, if I'm putting myself in a position to learn new things, then new things have the chance of coming out of me, you know, mm-hmm. but, but if I'm going through a phase where, you know, I haven't picked up a book very much or haven't listened to anything much you know it definitely has an influence on Mm -hmm. my ability to tap into anything you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's important to kind of keep a good uh you know it's like when you're reading books you you know like at least for me i'll have like three in the wings you know Mm -hmm. just in case i don't like this one anymore or i get done with this one too fast i'm not like twiddling my thumbs you know it's like i can go straight into something else you know I just had a friend save me on that, man. I, I finished a couple of books in a row that I loved. I, I read uh, David Joy's uh, When These Mountains Burn. And right before that, I read a book called um, 
uh, a gentleman in Moscow. And uh, I just fucking adored this book. Like I, I just had two books in a row that I was like so fired up about and I plowed through them. Um, and then I read another one. I read uh, Gabino Iglesias's Coyote Songs and I really enjoyed that too. So it's like three, it's, you know, I'm just on a roll and then I didn't have a plan. And my friend Jen called me up and was like, I got this book that I think you're really going to dig. And it was like way out of what I would normally pick up. And uh, yeah. and she just showed up. She's like, here, just borrow it. Give it back when you're done. Enjoy it. And it was like, thank you. Because I didn't have a plan. I'm with you, man. Like, I got to pick the next one up. Especially yeah. if I'm on a roll, you know, like if I'm on a roll, dude, I got I need the next one and the next one and the next one. If, it's just like yeah. when I'm writing and the songs, like same thing if I'm writing songs or if I'm writing short stories. If I write two short, two short stories in a row, that next day I wake up and my brain goes, dude, you need to write another story, you know, but if I haven't yeah. done it for a month, I'm just sort of yeah, like yeah. the lazy cat ran over the brown dog. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing, yeah. Nothing's there if I'm not doing the work, but when I'm doing the work, it just flows. That's so true. Yeah. You get, you get more ideas when you're just in the middle of it already. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who are, you mentioned uh, uh, basketball, being a basketball fan. Anytime I get a chance to talk sports, I like to talk sports on the show. <laughs> so who, who, if you think back, you can think back to your childhood or maybe folks you think of now, who are the creative basketball players that oh, you can wow. think of in your, in, in your fandom? Man, that's a really, that's a really good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, Geez, I mean, of my era, you know, um, man, I, I would have almost had to think about that one for a yeah. little while because of I think of people like Tim Hardaway or something, uh -huh. you know. Uh -huh. um, yeah. That's a fun one. I wouldn't have thought of Tim Hardaway. That's an interesting one. Just the way he would handle the ball sometimes, you know, um, and and, and uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you had like guys like Jason Williams, you know. I, I was immediately um, going to say Jason Williams. You said handling the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And people like that were, were fun, but you know, I was when I was a kid, I was a big Sean Kemp fan, just uh, because the way he would dunk. I thought uh, just he always looked cool. I mean, like Dominique Wilkins when he dunked, it wasn't yeah. just a dunk. It was like that. Is that a man? I don't. I don't know if that's a person or not. They you seem know, like some kind of rocket ship or something. <laughs> yeah, he just looks too cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sean Kemp spent his one of his last years here in Orlando with the Magic. Um, so it was like a pilgrimage right. just to see him on the court, you know, just to like, oh, I got to see him play, even though by that point he was, you know, <laughs> Ewing too. We had Ewing for like six games or something. <laughs> yeah, those things are always so funny. Like those, there's yeah. there's like a whole bunch of those things where, you know, it's like this player played for this team. You're like, what? I had no idea that he played yeah. for the Magic. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Jason Williams is a good one. And and for folks listening, if you're not a basketball fan, it's the the Jason Williams who went to Marshall and then to Florida. Um, and they called him white chocolate. He was a, a smaller, kind of smaller white dude, and but he just did the craziest stuff on the court, just impossible, impossible things. No way you should think <laughs> that you that you're gonna be able to fit the ball through that window and pass it effectively. And Jay Williams could just do the craziest and coaches shit. hated him because anybody that liked him and tried to do what he did would be quickly reproached during basketball practice. Right. And nobody can do that's the thing is like all, when you have somebody like that and this is true in music, I think it's true in um it's true in acting. It's true in just so many different uh disciplines and not just creative disciplines, but it's true in life in general. There are some people who just have certain uh acumen that can't be 
duplicate it. You're just not going to do it that way. And I think like, you know, and that's hard when you're a kid, especially watching somebody like that. I remember mimicking baseball players, for example, mimicking their stances and like how Morris would famously like move around in the box with his feet. Well, like that's not good for everybody else. (laughs) You know, like Julio Franco would have his bat all crazy above his head. Like that is not what you need to do. But as a kid, you're like, that looks cool and it's different. And it's interesting. Exactly. Exactly. I even like to Chuck Knobloch, you know, they even have a slack, slack bat. You know? Yeah, that looks funny. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, you can't. He can't. <laughs> I think Cal and Trammell yeah. used to do that too. A couple guys could do it, but they yeah. all end up in the same spot. And I think that's the interesting yeah. thing. Other than maybe not Jason Williams, he he was a, uh, on a different planet. But Absolutely. Um, but I think for the most part, whatever you're doing, you, those fundamentals have to be built, right? You need to learn the blues if you're going to go get make crazy records that are blues based, but also are singing about Taco Bells, right? Or, or mm-hmm. you need to learn your country chops if you're yeah. going to that, and then sing about you know whatever you're going to sing about. Um, but but having that base, you know, is really important. Yeah. Um, you have given so much and I'm so grateful. I, I am curious since you mentioned uh, reading, we always end on what you're getting down on. So what like what what art has you inspired? It could be a TV show or music or a painting you saw recently or a book you've been reading. Like what creative works have, have had you fired up right now? Um, you know, I actually have been reading, um, funny enough, uh, Thomas Merton, um, the Catholic monk. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been reading his um, his uh, autobiography called Seven Story Mountain, which has been really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I just yesterday listened to that new Buck Meek record, which mm-hmm. was terribly inspiring. Um, hearing about that. Yeah, just so interesting. I mean, uh, he's a fascinating, uh, fascinating uh, music maker, I think. Um, I'm trying to think of other other stuff um, that's inspiring. Um, <laughs> there's another book I read recently that was interesting uh, by a guy named James Karst. Um, uh, and the book is called um, Finite and Infinite Games. Uh, and it's sort of like, uh, it, it's like game theory in, in some ways, but it, but it sort of um, puts a lot of different human action into one of these two camps, either a finite or an infinite game. And just a really interesting way to look at the world. Uh, so I, I was really into that, that book. And I just finished that recently. Um, oh, well, there's a couple of things. Nice. Um, decided to watch Newsroom, the, mm-hmm. uh, the Sorkin thing. That's been, that's been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a couple, couple bits there. <laughs> that's cool that's really cool all right i got one more question for you then and that is uh when you when you released uh farewell hello um there was a a, a beer bottle that would be mailed to you with a digital download um yeah, are you going to shoot the that. next one out of a cannon at people or like <laughs> do you have a sense is there anything in the can you can you reveal any like uh wacky ideas you have for distribution of the next I, one? I would like I would like to that that one did kind of in retrospect feel a little environmentally um, uh, irresponsible because <laughs> <laughs> it was whole it was supposed to be 
you know, cathartic, you know, you say farewell to something that you don't want and then, you know, um, symbolically break your glass and then you pull the record out is, is the new beginning. And, yeah. You know, that was sort of the idea of it. Um, but yeah, and like people would send me when we put that out, people would send me those videos like on Facebook or whatever, you know, of like, mm-hmm. here's me breaking my bottle. And after I watched several, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> it's like, conceptually, I like the idea. But when yeah. I saw these people throwing bottles against buildings, I was like, oh, uh, that's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought yeah, it was such, a, such an interesting idea. So clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of glass. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. Hopefully nobody got hurt. And uh, I don't think so. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much, man. This has been such a pleasure. And thank I'm you. really excited to hear the new record whenever it's ready and, uh, and spread the word however I can. Um, the kernel music.com, I think for people, right? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. That's and right. So they can go get your records there. And I know you got at least light country on vinyl available, right? And yeah. then, uh-huh. okay. I, I need to go ahead and place an order myself. Cause I really enjoy <laughs> that record. And, uh, man, just once again, I'm so grateful for your time. And I'm, I'm really, uh, really thankful that I got a chance to, to not only meet you, but also do this deep dive into your, into your music. It's been fun. Well, I'm grateful for you, too, for doing this, man. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, man. All right. You too, man. See you later. So I fish for premonition off the docks of waking time. A little injured and engendered by some mad old battle cry. Along into a long, long bunch of hunches of the mind. Colonel, y'all, thank you so much, Kern. What a delight. What an incredible life he has lived and what incredible music he continues to make. TheColonelMusic.com for all things The Colonel, y'all. Check him out. Buy his records. Buy his merch. He's a wonderful guy, and uh, the music, is it speaks for itself. Thank you all so much for listening. I'm so grateful that you choose to spend some of your time with us. Marinadepodcast.com for all things The Marinade. Another shout out to Jordan joining the Patreon, y'all. If you can swing it, we'd love to have you over there. It's just a great way to connect with the show and so much fun. And we have more and more content that I'm going to be pumping out over there. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I really appreciate it when we interact over there. Let us know what you want to see. Let us know what you want to hear. What do you want from the show? What can we do to continue to improve this experience? I'm very open to feedback, and I love, love, love those interactions over on social media. Everybody, if you can swing it, go out and create something. If you can't, don't beat yourself up about it. Cheers, y'all.